What's up, my friends? Welcome to Good Human, a show on the Cheap Seats Network where we chat about wellness, lifestyle, navigating this crazy world, and just doing our best to be a good human. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of Good Human. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is a video episode. So if you are listening on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts and you want to hop on over to YouTube, you can find this video on youtube.com slash Abby Wellner. And the reason why we have a video episode going today is because we have a very special guest with us today. We have Miss Maddie Miles. She is the founder of Peace Love Hormones and a female hormone expert. And I'm so excited to have her on the pod. We're going to pick her brain today, learn all about how we can live in tune with our cycles. So with that, welcome Maddie to Good Human. Hello. Thanks, Abby. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for being here. Um, I wanted to hear a little bit about you, where you're from, sort of like your origin story, how you got interested in hormones in the first place, and sort of what you do now. Absolutely. So my story, I'm still working on my elevator pitch and making it (laughs) as short as I can because it's so hard to fit an entire, you know, 20 plus years of healing into a five minute story. But, um, you know, very long story short. And if anyone is interested in learning more about my story, I always just refer them to go to my podcast um, where I get into it. But I was very, very sick from a young age. I had a bunch of imbalances going on within my body and, you know, a heavy toxic burden, which most of us have, and a lot of just root causes that were not addressed when I was younger. And they were showing themselves, displaying themselves as anxiety and depression and insomnia and eating disorder. I was diagnosed with anorexia. And so I was really just, I mean, I was just battling a lot from about the age of, um, I mean, it was earlier than fifth grade, but fifth grade was the first uh, time I had ever seen a medical professional. I was starting to see the therapist and then eventually a dietitian once I was diagnosed with an eating disorder. And it really was just from that point on throughout my senior year of college was this roller coaster of a journey with, um, you know, being thrown into different hospitalization programs for my eating disorder and for, you know, for everything, but predominantly the eating disorder was my parents' main focus at the time. Um, And then I would relapse every time I got out because they were never addressing the root cause. And I would get out and I would still feel really just, I I wasn't okay um, emotionally, but I would be discharged because I had, you know, they you know, put back on weights um, onto my body. And so anyway, I kept relapsing and it was my senior year of high school. I graduated early I moved to Spain and then I was sent home from Spain just to be hospitalized again with a feeding tube. And it was at that time in my life where I really just, I saw the issue and I saw that I was really sick and I was ready to get better. And I wanted to go back to Spain. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to start my own business. I had like so many dreams and aspirations and just realized that I wasn't going to be able to do any of them if I was in a hospital. And so I approached my parents. I said, I I get it. I understand and accept that I'm sick now, which is really hard for me being a very stubborn Leo. But I was like, (laughs) I understand. I, but what we've been doing 
for the last, you know, six plus years of my life has not been working. Uh, you know, I didn't know at the time that there was such a thing as, you know, like natural, natural medicine and functional medicine, like all these things that, you know, it's, it's all like a first language for me now. But at the <laughs> yeah. time, I remember like, neither, none of us knew, you know, mm -hmm. my parents didn't know, I didn't know, but I just told them, I was like, there has to be something better than throwing me into another hospital, you know, feeding me the, you know, just foods that I would only describe the foods that I was being fed in the hospital as like downer foods, you know, they weren't supporting mm -hmm. my gut, mm -hmm. they weren't supporting my, you know, and the gut is foundation of our entire health and, you know, our neurotransmitters and our hormones and all of these things. And, you know, I was still just so depressed and, and insomniac and, you know, just really, really sick. And so I just told them, I was like, we need to find something else. So my precious mom, who's my best friend and, uh, you know, did her and my dad, but especially her, did so much research for any place that I went into. She found this integrative medicine clinic about an hour outside of downtown Chicago. And so we were commuting so much every single day to go see this team of professionals. And now they're like this uh, huge practice and I love them. And it's really cool because we work together. Um, oh, okay. Really converse as like colleagues now versus like, hmm. oh, she's our patient. Um, but, you know, it, there was such a small practice at the time. And I remember first seeing the psychiatrist and he was the first one, the first medical professional I'd ever met who was like, I actually don't want you on any medication because I was on so much medication at that right. point. Um, and he's like, I actually don't want you on any of that. And I want to start using the foods that you eat to, you know, improve the way that your body functions. And therefore, you're going to start feeling better in all regards. You start feeling better physically. You start feeling better emotionally emotionally, energetically, spiritually. And so, I, I mean, I definitely thought it was like nonsense at first. And I was like, what? But, you know, I was optimistic because I was like, I don't want to be on like medications anymore. This hasn't mm -hmm. worked for me. And so, you know, really just learning about nutrition, IV and vitamin therapy, um, herbal herbalism and herbal nutraceuticals to help with. I was dealing with a bunch of stuff. I mean, I got bit by a tick one summer um, amidst all of this and uh, contracted Lyme disease and got really sick with that. So, um, you know, I had chronic, chronic UTI infections from hormonal birth control, which I was also put on and prescribed mm -hmm. during high school. So many things going on with my body that, it, you know, it was a long time of healing. And I'm still healing in so many ways. You know, all humans are. We're all healing from you know, deep-rooted ancestral traumas and, you know, the antibiotics and Advil that we took as kids. Like, we're healing from so much, right? So mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, I, I never want anyone to think that I'm like, I've conquered all, but <laughs> I'm in such a better place now, obviously, and I feel the best. I, I didn't even know it was possible to feel this healthy because, you mm -hmm. know, there was a time of my life where I was like, I don't know if I can go another day. I'm so sick and I feel so terrible. But, you know, working with this clinic was really life-changing for me and not only improving my health, but just learning about the human body and the mind and how everything is connected and, you know, um, how to really, truly heal. And so I went to school, I studied dietetics and nutrition in undergrad and realized that everything that I was learning in school was so sterile and it was very like Western based and it was not at all in line with what I was doing outside of school to actually heal my body. So mm -hmm. that's when I really started to question things. And um, I started to question as well hormonal birth control that I had just been so easily handed in the doctor's right. office when I was in high school. And, you know, started learning and just doing a lot of research. I was doing 
me search, you know, like I was really <laughs> like, that was my full-time job. I felt like throughout college, like, yeah, sure. I, you know, I had fun and, you know, I still like went to school and, you know, was learning my studies through, through my institution, through my university. But the amount of work that I was doing outside of that, um, I mean, that was a full-time job was my healing and everything that I did revolved around just feeling good and like taking care of myself. And so, um, I learned so much. I became such a nerd about this all. I love it. Um, and I started to do a lot of research on hormonal birth control and realized that a lot of the issues that I was still experiencing, even though I was doing all of this amazing healing with this integrative clinic, I was like, I'm still not sleeping very well. I still get panic attacks and my libido is non-existent. And I had a boyfriend at the time all throughout college and I was just like, I know I really love him. Like maybe <laughs> something's wrong with me. And I just felt mm-hmm. like so weird and crazy yeah. for not wanting to just like, you know, have sex all the time. And so I really just I, I started to do a lot of research into the pill. I started to listen in on podcasts, um, like Alyssa Viti and a lot of these, you know, pioneers who are well older than I am, um, who have been doing this since they were younger back in like the eighties mm-hmm. um, and listening to podcasts about them, you know, flowing with their cycles and eating different foods and moving, you know, different ways during their cycle and how amazing and empowering it was. And I was like, I don't even have a cycle, you know? And I was like, wait, is that, that can't possibly be good that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not having, I'm not ovulating and I'm not having a period. And that's a huge part of what makes us, you know, who we are as women. And, um, and I really started to like question it. So I did a ton of research. I eventually made the decision to get off of hormonal birth control. And I, of course, did it safely. I didn't cut cold turkey. I did months of research and months of prep mm-hmm. work beforehand, adopting cycle syncing methods, but doing it to the moon phases um, because we do have a deep-rooted connection as women to Mother Nature, to um, Mother Moon, and just really harnessing that and tapping into it and adopting all of these things that are just like ancient tradition, but we've really lost as modern day society and modern day women. And it was so, it was just every single day. I mean, still, I'm like, you know, it's just breathtaking how incredible our bodies are. Yeah. And, you know, we're still learning so much because still the bulk of medical research and nutritional research and exercise and all of that is still done on the male body. So we're still learning more um, every single day. That's why I always tell people, like, don't believe everything that you see just because there's research to back it up. You know, it's it's such a um, a, uh, a confusing realm because, you know, the funding for a lot of research, it's, it's skewed. Uh, let's just mm-hmm. say that. Um, but also, you know, most of it is done on lab rats and males. And so we are just so, so different on so many levels from men. And so, you know, what suits them, you know, I'll just throw out a really typical fad diet is like fasting, you know, intermittent fasting mm-hmm. and keto and all of these things that have just been, you know, capitalized on by marketing companies and agencies. And, you know, like these are, this is good for you. This is healthy for you. And then women may feel good for like, you know, four or so weeks of doing it. And then everything starts to crash. Their thyroid starts to crash and their adrenals and, you know, their menstrual cycle gets all wonky. So um, it's, it's so fascinating learning about our bodies and how different they are and how, you know, we can eat a certain way and we can move a certain way and take herbs to prevent PMS and to prevent hormone imbalances and to manage PCOS and endometriosis and all of these, you know, labels that we've been given. Um, and so that is really, that's, that's where my passion lies. I truly believe I was put on this earth to do that. And that's Mm -hmm. why I hit, you know, the depths. And I think more often than not, 
I've met a lot of people who it was like their greatest struggles brought them to where they are now. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, if I, if I didn't get sick, I would probably be, when I was younger, I wanted to be like an actress and a singer and I probably <laughs> still would have gotten an eating disorder. Most definitely living in LA do that, doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, it's interesting to see like where our life, you know, leads us. I went from, you know, being super, super sick in so many different ways to, you know, healing myself naturally and now helping others do that. And so I am the founder of Peace Love Hormones, which we really are like to sum up all of the things that we encompass. We're just like a virtual platform for women's and menstrual health. And I say both of those because not all women menstruate, but we still help them with their health and not all menstruators like to be identified as women. So mm-hmm. we target yeah. it all though. Um, and really just empowering women to take back control of their health because it's been stripped of us, like our power when it comes to our health and walking into that doctor's office. Um, you know, the medical mistreatment is just, it's so real and it's killing women how, you know, prevalent and strong it is. So to, you know, at the end of the day, if I could at least empower one new person to learn more about their body, to learn more about their cycle, to start adopting some of these natural ways of just cyclical living and healing, then I've done my job. But of course we do have, you know, we have an app, we have, um, herbal products as well. Right now I just have one that's targeted for PMS. Um, my favorite. I, know. I love it. <laughs> and I have a couple more that are rolling out within the next few months. One is for, um, endometriosis. Another one is for fibroids and cysts. And then I have some liver bitters coming out as well. So exciting. Oops. You, Sorry, do we just, have a visitor? Yes, Colby just laid my little fox dog just laid down. And she kind of moved the tripod a little bit. No worries. I was going to say you were one of the first people that I ever came across on social media that even got me remotely interested in learning about my hormone health because, like you said, I I was so beyond not misinformed, but just like not informed at all. Like none of this was ever touched on growing up even well into like the beginning of my 20s, I didn't even know there were different phases of your cycle. Like I literally just thought, okay, I get my period for a couple days, I'll deal with that. And then the rest of the month is like the same. And that's just like, so wild to me that we're just not taught the basics of our bodies. And like you said, the, the world being constructed around male hormones and the way that that kind of body works again, is just a recent thing that I've come across that I'm like, oh my God, the whole world, everything that we're meant to do is not naturally supportive of what we should be doing for our bodies. And so absolutely, you have, you've got me so interested in this topic of hormone health. I got off the pill. I've been working on my own, my own journey of healing my hormones. I totally, totally relate to that feeling of just sickness And it started for me just feeling like something wasn't right. And I couldn't put my finger on it. Just all of the sort of symptoms that you named, just like being tired, just feeling so dull, the brain fog, nothing felt right. I didn't feel like lively. So that was one of the first things that made me want to try to come off the pill because I was thrown on it at 15 years old because I had really bad cramps and I Mm. wasn't told anything about it. I was told that it would fix my cramps and it would cure me of all of the pain. And I had no idea anything else about it other than, all right, cool. I'm not going to be in pain anymore. Didn't know that 
that is something that you could heal naturally. And now I'm having nowhere near the amount of pain that I had as a teenager. That was something that I was like super scared about that it was all going to come back. But thanks to people like you and Soothe and, you know, natural remedies, things that I've been incorporating into my day-to-day life, I just feel so much better. And I have found like this new passion for this subject as well, because when you start to learn these things, you just want to like shout it off the rooftops Mm -hmm. and it's, it's so empowering. And through finding people like you, I feel like I found this amazing group of people that are taking charge of their health and they're feeling empowered to learn about how their bodies work and, and stand up for themselves in, in the medical setting. And so I am just beyond excited to have you here with us today so that you can give us sort of like living in tune with your cycle 101. Yes. Oh, and I love that so much. It makes me so happy to, uh, we've connected obviously multiple times, Abby and I over. And also side note, my younger sister's name is Abby. So oh. the fact that this is Abby and Maddie on a podcast, it's like I've Perfect. the amount of times that I've heard Abby and Maddie, uh, those names together, it's uh-huh. too many to count. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's so many amazing points that you just said that I was like, I want to say, but I didn't want to stop your flow. Um, You know, you first mentioned like the man cycle and men have a circadian rhythm. They fluctuate on this 24-hour circadian rhythm, which women do as well, right? I mean, like, of course, we to uh, have the circadian rhythm that governs our sleep and our wake cycles. Then we have this whole separate internal biological clock called the infradian rhythm, which that then governs our mood, our metabolism, our creativity, our social ability, um, our libido, which is our our sex drive, our cravings. It governs so much. And, you know, like I I think I mentioned at the beginning, I was just on a webinar before this, so I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but our brain changes on average about 25% throughout our cycle. So, so much is going on throughout the course of our 26 to 32 day menstrual cycle, which I do want to say, um, the universal average is 29.5 days, but anything from 26 days to 32 days is great. Anything shorter than that or longer than that, we do like to investigate if what's going mm-hmm. on, why it would be so short or so long. Um, but, you know, the the way that, like, the hustle culture and the way that our society is just set up in general um, is so not supportive of our hormones. And we're wondering mm-hmm. why we have PMS and why we're running on stress fumes and all these things. And it's because, you know, like we're just constantly bombarded with triggers and stressors, everything from the blue light on our screens, which is so unnatural. And we just forget how unnatural that is. Mm-hmm. Um, to sitting in traffic. I mean, we sit way too much, you know, instead people just go crush their bodies through a 30 to 60 minute workout and then sit the rest of the day when, you know, again, like our, our ancestors were just walking. They're just moving their bodies throughout the day and mm-hmm. they're like doing, you know, some manual labor here and there and, you know, building and doing that type of stuff. But, you know, they weren't like going to uh, Barry's boot camp for 60 minutes and mm-hmm. then sitting, you know, in traffic in their cars and then sitting in an office the rest of the day. So mm-hmm. a lot of what we do now is just become it's become very lazy I feel like and you know we get everything delivered too I I even get my groceries delivered sometimes when I don't have enough time but there are so many perks to living in this modern technology advancement world however we need to come back and be more grounded as well and do these things adopt these practices especially as menstruators um 
to support how our body is supposed to be functioning because there's so much that is just going against how our body should be working. You know, you even mm-hmm. step outside to get, you know, fresh air and, you know, or, you know, put your feet in some dirt to earth to ground. And if it's been sprayed with a bunch of pesticides and chemicals, though, it's still not the best for you. So mm-hmm. it's kind of funny. It's like I have so many like funny memes that I like create in my head throughout the day of like, you know, just the modern day, like hippie, you know, like mm-hmm. trying to like, you know, be grounding and earthing, but like you're still like grounding and earthing and maybe not the best soil and you're like, you know, on your phone. <laughs> so, <All> right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, really just I, that's like a huge part of what I do and what the brand is like the mission of the brand mm-hmm. is to help us all become more in tune with ourselves and to understand that everyone has a very unique biochemistry as well. And which is why anyone who follows me knows that I don't so much post like what people should be eating necessarily on my page or anything like that. I give like general guidelines like, oh, you're in your ovulatory phase, which we'll get into, you know, eat lighter and fresher foods. And, you know, um, you have, you should have more energy right now. So do whatever you want to do with that. But I, I don't ever really, unless I'm working with someone one-on-one and I really Mm -hmm. know them and I know their story, I have labs up in front of me, a symptom questionnaire, intake forms. I really, I seldom ever like tell people like, this is what you should be eating. This is how you should be working out. Like this specific, like very specific, right, you know? Right. Um, and I've, I've just even like, see, there are always trends going around, you know, social media and like the health and wellness realm. And right now I feel like I've been seeing like a lot of hate on like nuts and seeds and all of this stuff. And I'm just like, oh, like we it's have always to something. Stop. It's always <laughs> something. We just have to stop telling people what to do, you know, instead mm-hmm. guide them to becoming the CEOs of their body and understanding and listening to their body and knowing like, oh, I didn't sleep that well last night and I haven't drank enough water today. That's why I probably have a headache right now. Um, I'm getting a cramp. I'm going to go supplement with some magnesium and some donkwe. And, you know, it's just like becoming more um, just in tune with your body so you know what to give it when it's, you know, showing these symptoms instead of just like hopping on Instagram and being like, oh, well, Sally worked out this way and this is what she ate today. So, like, that's what I have to do too. Um mm-hmm. I think like there's so there's so much beauty in like social media and being able to like reach a really big audience with like a great message but sometimes the message can get a little skewed um so I I always love to tell people that as well like because I get messages all the time like hey this girl doesn't like you know right I've just been getting this so much this week which is why the nuts and seeds keep coming up but like can I not eat nuts and seeds and I'm like look do you do you feel good when you eat nuts and seeds? And you know, most of the time, I'm like, yeah, I, I do, and actually helps me mm-hmm. get my cycle back. And I'm like, then keep doing it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's just I I can't tell you what to do. This lady can't tell you what to do. You know, I can be your guide. Um, so I that's a great way to preface what I'm about to get into and in explaining the four cycles is that everything I say always for all our listeners take it with a grain of potassium. Um, <laughs> Because at the end of the day, you know, what works for me is going to be slightly different than what works for you. But there are, you know, very predictable shifts that go on um, with our hormones throughout our menstrual cycle and ways that we can really tap into that power and harness it and leverage our social life, our sex life, our spiritual life, our work life, all of the above. So um, we'll start off with the first phase of the cycle, which is our period. And so the first day that you start to bleed is the first day of your menstrual phase, your period, and that is the first day of your entire, entire cycle. Um, 
And I know some people, I do want to give credit to those people who like to call it the ovulatory phase because that technically is the big bang of the whole um, ordeal. We only have a period because we ovulate. So Mm -hmm. um, shout out to anyone who calls it by that. I'm just so used to calling it a menstrual cycle at this point. Neither is right or wrong. Um, But we'll just start off with uh, the you know, the period is the first phase. So the period, um, natural low point in terms of hormones. So it's very understandable and expected to not feel your greatest self during this time. Um, you should mm-hmm. not be in pain. You shouldn't need a heating pack. You shouldn't need Advil. You should not be so moody or, you know, unable to sleep or anything like that. Otherwise, something's going on. But this is a natural energy low point. So, you know, for me, I don't plan social things around this time. If I do, I know I'm, I'm going to regret it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are some times where I can handle like a dinner with some friends at one of their places. And I actually really like that. It's comforting. You know, I'm in comfortable clothes. I'm just with my really close loved ones. Um, and it's very relaxed. And then there are other phases where I'm, other times when I'm, you know, on my period and I'm like, I just want to be at home. I really (laughs) want to reflect on everything that went on the last cycle in terms of my business. You know, my partner and I travel a lot. So reflecting on, you know, what just everything that we've done, you know, for this entire cycle and what do I want to change about the next cycle? What do I need to release right now? We're physically releasing, you know, a huge, like a part of us, Mm -hmm. um, you know, our endometrium, our uterine lining. So also it's a very, you know, spiritual time. It should be a very spiritual time for all of us. And, you know, back in the day when a lot of women would cycle together as well, there are white moon bleeders and red moon bleeders. But the white moon bleeders, like myself, we menstruate with the new moon. And this is just this time to like really like be grounded, connect with our sisters and release everything that we, that just does not serve us anymore. And then we start to transition into what's called the follicular phase. And it's the time. um, So there's two halves of the cycle. Some practitioners teach on the two halves. I think it does a little bit of uh, injustice to the whole cycle because the way that our body's changing in our in our mind and our hormones, um, it's better to have the four phases to really, you know, go off of those. But mm-hmm. I get a question, um, uh, not, uh, not a whole lot, but it's just something good to address because someone may be listening and going like, but I heard that there are two phases, the follicular phase and the lute- luteal phase. And yes, that is true. Um, but we're just talking about the four phases right now because the period, your period is a whole phase in itself. Um, mm-hmm. That is a part of the follicular phase. Yes. But it's, you know, the period and ovulation are very distinct times um, in my mind and in our bodies. So we transition into the follicular phase and our follicle stimulating hormone is increasing, which is creating um, the follicles, which are uh, sacs that contain our ovum, our eggs. So that's preparing for ovulation. And then um, around day five, seven, our estrogen starts to increase. And then as estrogen starts to increase, our follicle-stimulating hormone starts to decrease. And that's just because we only want one egg to proliferate. And um, as our estrogen starts to increase and we're trending towards ovulation, um, our testosterone starts to increase as well. Yes, we ladies do have testosterone. It shouldn't be too much, of course, but we (laughs) do. And so that's when um, we really start to get like – the high amounts of energy, and this is all natural. This isn't because we're like, you know, jacked off caffeine. This is just natural high energy. And the estrogen brings this sense of like calm and um, and some energy for sure. And then like just beautiful, like plumps, clear skin and shiny hair. And then the testosterone brings like 
the high libido, which is sex drive, the um, like confidence boost. And, you know, I know some people are listening to this and they're like, I don't feel that social at any time <laughs> of my cycle. They're, of course, you know, the more introverted people. But in, you know, in perspective, of course, throughout the course of your mm-hmm. cycle, this is the time where you're feeling a little bit more like, oh, I could, you know, whether it's dancing for you somewhere or, you know, like to socialize with people. Like right now, I'm trending towards ovulation. I'm really high energy. I was going to my favorite elixir bar earlier today and I could see that my friend, um, two of my friends were, one was teaching and one was just in the class, but a yin yoga class. So very, you know, calm, chill. That's something that you should be doing during your period. And mm-hmm. I'm like outside the door, like, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, this is so not the vibe right now. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, cause I'm like so high energy in this phase. And, you know, I've Braxton and I, my partner and I just got back from basically a month of traveling and I have just like basically booked myself full of plans with friends because I've missed everyone so much and I'm like this is perfect because I'm so energized for this you Mm know um and so that's trending towards ovulation it's actually very clever of our bodies to um, you know like make it so that during this time the only time of our cycle that we're fertile is when we also conveniently have the highest sex drive so beware of that everyone it's you know I always kind of give myself like a pat on the back like good job body like you're doing the right things but we're still wearing condoms when we have sex this week because we're not having a baby. Um, you know, our bodies, obviously our menstrual cycles, you know, have so much benefit other than just like, you know, procreating life. Like we need Mm -hmm. it for, um, just our overall general health and well-being. But the main reason of it is to procreate life. So, you know, again, notice all of these changes that are going on throughout your cycle, but also, um, you know, don't give in to the temptation if you do not want to have a baby. <laughs> and don't give in to that temptation. It's so funny. Like we're at this, I had an event last night for Peace Love Hormones and it was like a yoga and sound healing and, you know, a vegan dinner. It was like this whole event. And Braxton was there, the only guy there. It was all women, but Braxton was there, of course. And I just like could not stop looking at him while we're doing yoga. (laughs) And like even during Shavasana and the sound healing, like I just needed to be touching him. So like I just had like my toe like touching his body um, just so I could have some point of contact. And it's so funny. Mm -hmm. I mean, I never go through like a time where I'm like – get away from me. I hate you. And I have this crazy PMS, you know, because that's not normal. And I take, you know, care of myself to make sure that doesn't happen. But I definitely mm-hmm. have phases of my cycle where I'm just like, I, I want you here next to me, but I don't necessarily want to be touched that much. It just doesn't yeah. sound that appealing to me to be, you know, touched. Um, whereas like during the auditory phase, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like a monkey, like hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> don't leave my side. Um, so it was really fun to, you know, tap into that and to just like play and, you know, it's, embrace it's so, who we are. It's so cool when you can recognize that too. And like you said, our bodies are so smart and you're like, wow, okay, this makes sense. I'm, I'm moving towards ovulation. It's natural for this to be the time where like, I want to be closer to my partner. I want to go hang out with people in general because biologically you know okay gonna hang out with more people gonna reproduce like it just all makes sense it's so cool kind of like think of it that way yeah and if you think that's cool wait till you hear this so the luteal phase then is comes right after ovulation and we actually only ovulate uh once over the span of you know 12 to 24 hours but crazy we we do say that there's this fertile uh there's a ovulatory phase because if there's a fertile window of about five days beforehand 
But really, we're seeing, you know, especially just because there's an unspoken epidemic of fertility issues within the country, we're really seeing that it's really like the 24 to 48 hours before ovulation that you are most likely to conceive um, if you have unprotected sex. But again, I work with mostly people who don't want to get pregnant, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And I definitely had my fair share of women who are like, oh, I'm, I'm ready to conceive now. Um, but really, where I feel like I work mostly with young girls actually starting like age 16 to like mid 20s who don't want to be on hormonal contraceptive and want to track their cycle and don't want to get pregnant Mm -hmm. and so and I can obviously really relate to that because that's the exact phase of life that I'm in right now um and it's just cool to like you know foresee the future of how my business will ebb and flow and change with me as I change you know and I will eventually have children and you know I'm going through that whole beautiful process but um you know, most people don't. So I just say, let's just be safe then. And let's block off, even if it's a whole week, like what, what's a week of your time where, you know, you just are either completely abstaining from, you know, penetrative sex. And that's the other thing. I have a whole podcast episode with Braxton actually about mm-hmm. reframing our thoughts about sex and that, you know, the media has totally screwed it up for women. Like the way yeah. that, you know, the women, it shows women and shows, you know, orgasming after two minutes max of like, you know, penetrative sex. It's like, that doesn't happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Most of us need actually external stimulation for, uh, you know, at least on average 20 minutes, a lot of, you know, studies have shown. So don't feel bad about yourself if you're listening to this and you're like, it takes me so long to finish. It's like, <laughs> it's you, like, just work with your partner. It's supposed to be this, this game. It's a practice. It's a meditation. I highly recommend listening to that podcast episode and starting to reframe your thoughts around it. But anyway, during that time of the week, just do other forms of play, you know? Um, You don't have to – he doesn't need to be inside of you. And if you do want to do that, that feels good for you both, um, wear a condom. And honestly, it's not a big deal at all. And then your sex during that week and outside of that is just better because you're not on something that is, you know, turning off your libido. So Mm -hmm. it's so worth it. Um. You know, there. You know, you can adopt the fertility awareness method as well, and using that in conjunction with condoms is super reliable for preventing pregnancy. Um, and then, so yeah, that's my little spiel on the ovulatory phase. And can getting- I just say? Can I just mm-hmm. say real quick? It is so wild to me that we were taught that we're just like fertile all the time, that we can just get pregnant any day of the week. When that right. is so like not true. There's such a small window that is available for us to conceive again just a crazy piece of it's information w- that we're just not taught it's wild and also like girl i was told i remember there was this thing going around middle school that uh people were just saying that if you were in the hot tub with a guy you could get pregnant it's <laughs> uh-huh. like so many silly things um mm-hmm. that were kind of going around during the whole like sex ed topic i remember in both middle school and in high school and just like such funny things that i, I was connecting to so many women last night who are like in their uh like later 50s and they're like oh my gosh, you should have, you know, when I was having difficulty getting pregnant, my doctor was telling me to, you know, go put my legs up the wall after I had sex. And like that would, that would somehow do the trick. And obviously it did it. And I was just like, oh my goodness, the confusion that everyone has, including medical professionals around the female body and like, you know, conception and, you know, we're told also that it's just like so easy, right? Like you can get pregnant mm-hmm. anytime. I mean, there was that thing going around about even being in a hot tub with another guy. It's like, <laughs> it's really like, um, I'm forgetting what year it was, like that old school movie, The Labyrinth, though. That's what it's like to try and 
successfully get pregnant. The amount that needs to happen separately mm-hmm. for like him to have good healthy sperm and you know sperm motility and sperm quality and then for you to have everything that's going on right within your body everything from you know the very beginning in terms of having the right ph within your vagina to nurture that sperm mm-hmm. having the right um cervical fluid that changes throughout our cycle as well having that fertile cert- um fertile cervical fluid that acts as literally like an uber ride when healthy <laughs> for the for the sperm um, and then for your eggs to be healthy, for your uterine lining to have um, to be plush enough, for it to have been built up enough during that follicular phase with the estrogen to successfully implant and nurture um, a fertilized egg. So many things, right? And then after that, like you, uh, many of us actually get pregnant and never even know it because we lose it before, you know, it we would ever even notice, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that could also be because we just don't have enough progesterone to nurture it in the second half of our cycle. So, so many things, right, have to happen in order for it to happen. And I think more often than not, though, we hear of those stories of like someone being like, I got pregnant right away, you know, and then we we remember that, though. And yeah. it's like this fear. And it's like, oh, but we that's going to happen to us. When really, it's actually difficult, especially if you've been on hormonal contraceptive that's been totally funking with your body's natural um, cycle and cues and functionings. Um, it actually is very difficult. So moving into – and I know this because I've worked with so many women, including my older sister um, right now who is on hormonal contraceptive for 15 years. And it's been a struggle to even get her cycle back, much mm-hmm. less – you know, conceive what she really wants to do within the next year with her husband. So um, then we get into the luteal phase, though, and that comes right after ovulation. And this is really governed by progesterone. Progesterone makes us feel very calm. Um, And so anyone who experiences anxiety, insomnia, and all that during this phase uh, probably just does not have the right amounts of progesterone. Um, And this is the time where we do experience a second peak of estrogen, um, a couple days into like midway into this into this luteal phase, so we do get that like spike of energy. A lot of people do, um, but most for the most part, it's a lower energy phase. You're slowly trending towards that period, that period energy, and so this is the time to be doing more like mat work when it comes to movement. So I love the yoga and the Pilates, things that are just more grounding, and um, food. On average, we need about like. I'm not actually, I'm going to stop saying the number because there is a number of, you know, amount of calories, but it doesn't matter. You just need more food during this phase. Mm -hmm. We have um, a higher resting cortisol rate. So that's just a fancy way of saying we do, we need more fuel, more grounding foods as well. Uh, Like raw salads and juices and smoothies probably aren't going to sound that appealing to you during this time. So don't be confused just because, you know, you're being marketed that, um, you know, really like the warm soups and kind of like more warm and grounding foods are really going to be great during this phase and starting to go a little bit slower as well. Um, I call this like the crossing my T's and dotting the I's phase in terms of my business because I am a business owner. So this is the time where, you know, because I'm not like, oh my gosh, let's go out and do a bunch of things and create content and do all this like high energy stuff. I'm like, you know, my brain, what my brain and my body wants to do is kind of just like go find a comfy place or a cute uh, cafe 
Mm-hmm. to go and do maybe some like look over financials or, you know, really hone in on research and formulation, you know, so obviously everyone's job is different, but this is definitely a time to be kind of concluding things, concluding projects and doing more like reading and research and all that stuff. Yeah. And I like you um, touched on the food thing because I feel like there's, I guess, shame sometimes around the natural things that our body wants at different parts of our cycle, especially when you don't fully understand that and sort of the stereotypes that go along with like, you know, being on your period and like wanting to eat all this extra stuff when that concept is something that is natural to us. Like your body literally needs more food and that's not something Mm -hmm. that you should be ashamed of. And, you know, diet culture teaches us that don't you dare start eating more food. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because that was something that took me a long time to like come to terms with. I would feel so horrible during that time of the month when I would naturally be craving all this extra food and maybe some, you know, more more starchy carbs. And I was like, but I can't because, you know, this and that. So it's right. definitely definitely a good a good point to make because I don't think a lot of women are made to feel comfortable about that when it's totally normal. Absolutely. And sometimes I like forget because this is my life and this is like I've just nestled into this beautiful community like here in Austin in person and also like virtually um, on Instagram of like these people who are just so this is also like kind of a first language for them um, or maybe second language, but they're very like well versed in it and they understand. And then I break out of it and I remember like, oh, this is like there is still a lot of like false information going on out there. I saw Mm -hmm. this TikTok today of this girl who was just talking about, um, you know, how I'm forgetting what. I think it was like Peloton. She was naming some like big brands though when it came to like fitness and how they're just pushing you all the time to like Mm -hmm. show up. And it just reminded me of, you know, even like my gym, I stopped going to a lot of the classes because I would, you know, go to a cycling class and I would just be like called out because they have like your RPM like up on the screen (laughs) and it'd be like, come on, Maddie, like I know you can do better. And like me being like, you know, I kind of like competitive in nature and like, you know, more so with myself than anyone else, but like always Mm -hmm. wanting to be better. And I was just like, and I also played sports growing up. So I was just like, I can do it. And then I feel so depleted afterwards. And I was moody and I was tired and I was like, oh my gosh, like, it's so sad that, you know, this is in Peloton, I know is huge as well. I mean, you see those people who are like, you know, doing a 60 minute cycling class with you and they're like you can do this I'm about to run 20 miles after this and you're like what uh-huh. <laughs> you're about to run 20 miles after you did this you know it just makes you think all of these even like if it doesn't seem like it impacts us it impacts us on a subconscious level where it's mm-hmm. just ingraining these thoughts and beliefs that if you aren't constantly doing you are a failure and yeah. there, you know, whatever, ne- insert whatever negative word, you know, you tell yourself, but it's negative, right? If you're not constantly mm-hmm. doing, and we have to just accept that rest is productive, like, and we need it. We need it mm-hmm. no matter what phase we're in of our cycle. Some phases we need it more, but you always need rest. And we need time of just kind of being bored too, you know, like not like rest not just like laying on your couch on your phone or like watching a show, but like truly just like like resting and watching or reading a book 
or mm-hmm. walking outside without your phone and technology, um, just laying in the sun with like no agenda other than to just lay there, you know, um, resting also could just be enjoying a meal with, you know, a loved one and really being grounded and present with that food and with that human being in that conversation. Um, all of that is rest and all of it is productive and it's really transformational when it comes to our health and our longevity. Which and yeah. that's like the name of the game, right? Like I always ask myself and I encourage other people to ask themselves before they do something, is this going to actually improve my health and well-being? So, you know, I always tell people that when they're like, you know, I want to do keto though. And I'm like, okay, is cutting carbs out though, is that really going to <laughs> add on years to the end of your life because I don't know about you all but I'm trying to live to like 120 and I want (laughs) it to be good though I don't want to be you know bedridden in a hospital like I want to still be skiing and doing a bunch of stuff I want to see my great great grand grandchildren um so you know I always just tell people like health is yes there's so many things out there that could be a short quick fix you know um a short quick fix for you know whatever X, Y, and Z that you're experiencing. But the long-term changes come from consistency and listening to yourself and going the natural way. Um, and it takes time, you know? Like like I said, I'm still healing. It's a journey. We live in a mm-hmm. very toxic world that's unsupportive. And I am not at the place in my life where I can just move to a deserted island, you know, <laughs> naked and barefoot. And we would mm-hmm. still, even there, though, encounter some toxic chemicals in our environment you know it's just unfortunately the world that we live in but um you know I just tell people like do the best that you can and don't stress out over the things that we have no control over but there are a lot of things that we do have control over and you know just do what feels best for you because at the end of the day you can only show up as your best self if you feel good so right mm -hmm. yeah I've talked I've talked about this a lot on this podcast but the single best thing I have done for myself is slow the F down. I used to be so Mm -hmm. go, 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 go. Like, especially through college, I took on so much and I felt so much guilt when I wasn't meeting that like level of productivity that I thought I needed to be. Mm -hmm. And that's how I thought I needed to live my life, you know, bouncing from one thing to the next. And I realized that it was affecting my mental health, but it wasn't until recently that I realized that it was affecting my physical health as well. Like it's both of those things are so tied into the way we live day to day and especially living in this world of hustle culture and, you know, accomplishing one thing, bouncing right to the next. And you got to have your calendar fully packed and you got to be busy to be worthy. It's so hard to get yourself out of that mindset. But me being able to slow down, realize that I don't have to earn my rest. I don't have to, you know, earn the ability to sit on the couch for 30 minutes. Like I straight up would pride myself in not stopping. Like I would not relax. And I felt good about myself doing that. And it took a couple years of living like that for me to really realize like, this is taking a toll on me. I don't feel good mentally. And I don't feel good physically. I I think that, you know, we can, I really relate to you on that too of, um, I mean, it was the same thing. It was like by 9am I needed to check off all these things. Mm -hmm. You know, I needed to go on this crazy long run or go kickboxing. Like I, I had a specific workout for each day of the week. Um, and I needed to just do all of these things. And at the end of the day, even though I could say that I did so much, 
I still didn't feel happy and I wasn't sleeping nope. well and I didn't look <laughs> fabulous either because I was underweight and I, my eyes were sunken in my hair was falling out and mm -hmm. you know I just like I remember I would hear all the time from like my parents it was just like so typical for them to say like one of a variation of this like do you ever sit down and relax like because I was mm -hmm. always just doing you know yeah. um and so I've done like so much healing work when it comes to that and you know trauma work and stuff like why am I like that I um, know <laughs> <laughs> you know and you know it's obviously so many things right like it's never really mm -hmm. just one thing but a huge part of that is just the culture that we live in um and, you know, even like the men who are listening to this, like, yeah, you guys, you know, have a 24 hour cycle, but still, you don't need to be doing that all the time either, you know, and I think we're all just so hyped up on stress hormones all the time. It's like addictive. And, mm -hmm. you know, I constantly reminded myself because I'm doing, going through neuroplasticity right now and changing and rewiring my brain after, you know, 20 plus years of living a certain way. It's going to take some time. It's not just the snap overnight, but I do have to remind myself sometimes because I can just feel like me getting so excited. I'm just like a very excited human being in general, but I'm like, well, just be like brushing my teeth and I like, <laughs> I can feel my heart racing and I want to dance yeah. and all this stuff. And I'm just like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm literally brushing my teeth right now. We, <laughs> let's just take a chill pill for a second. So, um, but you know, that's also us being human, right? Like no one is perfect and it's mm -hmm. just noticing what's going on and how we're feeling. That is like, that is the superpower is being so in tune with yourself that you notice when you're, Oh, I'm, I'm getting a little bit too excited and I'm getting stressing myself out for no reason. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, in a rush to get everywhere. And instead just be like, okay, let me just take a deep breath. Um, and you know, try to relax a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That leads us into a good question that someone asked. So people okay. submit any questions that they had for Love you. It. And so I have a couple here. And the one question that kind of goes into what we were talking about is how can someone who isn't super familiar with all of this is just hearing some of this information for the first time, how can they begin to implement some of these things into their life in a maintainable, non-overwhelming way? Yeah. So I always say to start with the basics because most people aren't even doing that. Um, and we need to make sure that the foundations are there, such as sleep, uh, or else, you know, nothing else matters. If you're not sleeping well, it nothing else is going to really matter or work when it comes to like, you know, extra supplements or herbs or, you know, even the food that you're eating. Like if you're not sleeping, we need to make sure you're sleeping. So I always just tell people like implement one thing at a time. There's so much that you can do. And I sometimes get stressed out, especially after I like, I've, you know, I'm with my mentor. I have this awesome, like 70 year old badass mentor in Austin. Who's like an herbalist and naturopath doctor, oh, all the I love things. That. And sometimes I leave clinic. I have clinic days with her and, you know, we'll just be working together and doing whatever we decide to do that day. Um, always something crazy, you know, complex and awesome and beautiful but sometimes I leave and not so much anymore but at the beginning I would leave and I would be like I know so much but so little and it's stressing me out you know and mm -hmm. I, I would get down on myself and then I just realized that oh but like I have a whole life to keep learning things and like I don't need to do everything right now um and so I always just tell people one thing at a time you know like what I'm doing now I thought like a year ago today I had it all figured out and now I'm like, wait, I know so much more. Not that I didn't know a lot back then. I did. I knew an immense amount. 
but I'm doing so much more now and I've changed the way that I do certain things and I feel even better. So it's like constantly optimizing. I say Mm -hmm. start slow, start with the basics. So make sure that you're sleeping. It not only matters how much you sleep, but also the quality of your sleep. So everything that you can do to optimize your sleep in terms of having a completely blackout room. um, I recommend everyone start taping their lips shut as well. Um, to improve deeper sleep, to improve hydration as well. And, um, you know, uh, all the sleep hacks. I need to create a whole episode on that because we could talk for 30 to 60 minutes on how to optimize sleep. Um, Mm -hmm. But just make sure you're sleeping, you know, quality sleep and getting in bed before or by 10 p.m. as well because we do the most brain detoxification and cell rejuvenation um, between the hours of 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Um, And then just making sure that you're, you know, really reducing toxic load because that has a direct effect on our adrenals and the way that our brain functions and our gut and our liver. So that's definitely foundational as well. Whenever I'm working with someone, especially someone who's struggling, um, I'm like, we got to slowly reduce the amount of toxic chemicals that you're using in your, you know, everything from your shampoo and your makeup and all that beauty stuff to like what you're cleaning your countertops with. Um, and so really removing those toxic chemicals that can be impacting how our bodies function and then drinking and and including filtered water as well. Mm. So getting a filter for your water and making sure you're hydrating enough. Um, and then keeping your blood sugar stable. That's a huge part of it too. So not fasting, um, more than, you know, 12 to 14 hours, depends on the dosha type, um, doshas, just different types of body types, um, according to traditional Ayurvedic medicine. But, uh, you know, my max is like 12 hours and that's just overnight, you know, that's literally from mm-hmm. the time you stop eating dinner until breakfast. So, right. um, you know, if some people, you know, my more like, uh, like pizza kaffas can go like maybe 14 hours or so, but still, I mean, I'm not like a intermittent fat. I'm not like, woo, intermittent fasting. Um, I think it's great to give ourselves that time overnight to, again, do that detoxification, that cellular rejuvenation. And then during the day when we're up and moving around and our brains are working, we need to fuel ourselves. So, um, you know, having really good nourishing meals that will last you three to four hours until the next meal. Um, You have your protein, you have your fat, you have your fiber. I'm not a fan of juice cleanses. Nope. Thumb down in my book. Um, (laughs) It's just not like it's, you know, and it's, they're deceptive though. Right. Because people are like, but I feel so good on them and I'm not bloated. I'm like, it's because you're not eating anything. (laughs) That's why you're not bloated. (laughs) That's just why you're getting bloated from eating food. Um, But uh, yeah. So keeping your blood sugar stable by having those nourishing grounding um, meals and, if it comes from the earth, it's a yes in my book, as long as you're not allergic to it, of course, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, highly sensitive to a certain food. But um, if it comes from the earth, I'm always like thumbs up. It's great. And of course, not getting too stressed out about, um, you know, what we're eating as well, because that stress can, you know, impact us. So, you know, I, I really do believe that one saying of like the stress over the cookie is worse than the cookie itself. Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. telling people that, you know, uh, cookies and donuts should be included. You know, all these highly processed foods should be included in, you know, like the daily regimen. Um, but don't be stressed over it if you are out and that's what you happen to have. Um mm-hmm. Don't be stressed out about anything that you're eating. Don't be so hyper-focused on it. But, you know, my biggest tip for that is including just like having a kitchen full of hormone-supportive foods, Um, foods that are going to keep your blood sugar stable so that you don't go – I think we lost your audio. Oh, can you hear me now? Oh, there you go. Okay, good. I don't know what Um, happened. (laughs) 
but just, yeah, just in saying that and in concluding that, just making sure that you're the most supported in your home environment to, to feel good. Mm-hmm. I personally yeah. would love an Instagram post from you on some good cleaning products or like your cleaning regimen, because I'm currently yeah. in the process of trying to find better alternatives. And I just like, am a little bit lost. So I would, I would love Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll actually give you access to my app because I have a whole section of my app of just not uh, toxic free living. So everything Ah, from cleaning supplies to, you know, shampoos and conditioners to the bed sheets that you're sleeping on. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll give you links to that, Abby, um, for you to join. And then we'll also give a link for your um, listeners to join as well. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Jumping into the next question that got asked, what are some of the side effects of coming off of hormonal birth control? What can someone expect? And then sort of as a part two, someone else asked, what can you do to support your hormones while coming off of hormonal birth control? Yeah, so the symptoms are really different for everyone, but some basic ones for um, post-birth control syndrome symptoms would be weight gain, um, acne, it really, honestly, it depends on what you went on the pill for in the beginning. What were you, what have you been suppressing all of this time can come mm-hmm. back for sure. It's not a given though. Um, you know, I, in, to answer the second part, we really just need to support the liver, which has been dramatically impacted. The, the functioning and structure of your liver is altered by hormonal birth control. In our liver, which I have a whole podcast episode on, multiple because it's just so beautiful and important, performs over 500 vital functions of our body, including the packaging and excreting of estrogen metabolites. So a lot of you know the PMS symptoms that we see is because our liver is not functioning properly and our liver and our guts are also related. So it's like when you're messing with the, the two big boys, the liver and the gut, mm-hmm. um, you know, and usually if the liver is impacted, the gallbladder, a lot of other things are, you know, happening. And that's also what I do and what I encourage other practitioners and doctors to do is look at the body as a whole. It's never like just one thing. But, um, you know, when we're transitioning off the pill, before you stop the pill, we have to support your liver. We have to support your gut and support your elimination pathways. Um, so many of us just aren't even pooping enough. You know, I try to get everyone to be going two to three times a day, um, you know, sweating in a sauna and through movement, all of these things that are helping to excrete the toxins, which are packaged up in our liver through two separate phases. One is the first phase is really dependent on vitamins and minerals, most of which are depleted by the pill. So it's making sure also Mm -hmm. that we're, you know, replenishing and restoring our body of the depleted nutrients, the nutrients that we need for healthy skin, hair, menstrual cycles to get our menstrual cycle back and for, you know, liver detoxification. And then making sure that we're actually, you know, excreting the toxins after phase two, which, you know, using amino acids, Um, breaks them down from fat soluble to water soluble, which then we can excrete through our urine, through our stool, through sweating, and then also through mucus. So, you know, uh, spit and snot and all these things that a lot of us just put back into our body when we (laughs) have them, but really we should be getting them out, tongue scraping, blowing your nose, all that stuff. So it's really just supporting the body's natural processes so that when you do get off the pill, it does not have a total freak out. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. Love that. Love that. (laughs) I um, said earlier, I got off the pill and I did like so much research before coming off of it to try to see like what I could possibly do because I read so much about 
how scary it can be to come off the pill. And I think there's a lot of stuff out there that makes women almost want to stay on it. Like it makes you wonder, should I even be coming off of it? Like I'm going to get acne and I'm going to gain weight and all this stuff. But it was so important for me to remind myself that this is for my long-term health. Like my skin might freak out. I might put on a couple pounds, but like this is for my, my long-term health for the longevity of, you know, how I want to live the rest of my life. So Um, absolutely also like it's so funny I feel like we're very similar in a lot of ways but I too was like oh my gosh do I do it like I've heard these horror stories mm -hmm. like this girl said that she had terrible acne when she got off this girl said that she had panic attacks every single day for a month straight when she got off and I was like oh my gosh like but you know I prepped my body beforehand I believed Mm -hmm. in myself which is a huge part of you know physical well-being is also emotional well-being and I believed in myself I believed in the process and everything that I was doing and I weighed out the short and long-term benefits, you know, and yeah. to me, it just, it just made sense. And I was at a place in my life where I could do that. Um, and about the weight gain, I wanted to touch on that. So, so sometimes people can gain too much weight that is not needed and estrogen and toxins are both stored. Um, well, toxins are stored in fat cells and also estrogen is produced from that. So, um, it's always balance is the name of the game, right? Like I definitely put on some pounds. I don't, I don't know if it's directly related to coming off of hormonal birth control or if it's just because I'm, I get older every year and you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm growing into more of a woman. I have, you know, mm-hmm. butt and boobs finally, Woo! Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really unreasonable to think that we're just going to fit in our clothes from, you know, yeah. every single year. Um, so really, you know, I, I do meet a lot of women in practice who, I understand like the weight gain and body image. Like we just live in the society that uh, it's so harmful and detrimental to our emotional well-being. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. so many of us experience body dysmorphia and I really try to just like talk to women like heart to heart. Like, do you really think that this weight gain is stuff, something that you need to lose or is this just your body, what it needed, you know, in order to, because we can't, we shouldn't have too much fat on our body, but we also shouldn't be skin and bones. You know, it's, mm-hmm. we're supposed to have these, you know, soft looking bodies that are healthy and functioning. Um, and so more often than not, it is, it's the later it's that, okay, maybe I do need to work on just my relationship with my body, that it's okay right. to have put on some pounds. My body needed mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, and then of course, sometimes I do work with women who it's, it's actually their thyroid is not working function properly. So we need to, um, do some work on that, but mm-hmm. usually it's the body dysmorphia. Yeah. It's so wild to me how much all of that stuff is sort of interconnected and, how much the, you know, body image and diet culture stuff impacts so many other areas of our life. So trying to get to the root sort of mental cause sometimes or the the mindset shifts to getting out of the idea that, you know, you need to be the same size that you were when you were 16 years old. Right. All of that sort of healing is is going to be so beneficial in the long run. Right. Okay. All righty. Moving into the next question that we got. You touched on this a little bit, so I'll just ask if there's anything else you wanted to add. How to prevent pregnancy naturally without mm. hormonal contraceptive? Yeah, so I touched on just like that there is a fertile phase, and I hope that really like inspires a lot of listeners to go over um, whether it's to my 
my podcast to listen uh, more on like the fertility awareness method um, or to even work with the fertility awareness method. Educator, yes, there are those who literally their job is just to help you start tracking your fertile signs. Um, because I don't want anyone to leave this like quick explanation and be like, okay, now I'm going to start doing it. Really make sure you always do your own research. But um, our, so a few things are changing throughout our cycle. Number one, our basal body temperature is changing. Um, and our cervical fluid, also called cervical mucus, is changing. And uh, our cervix position is changing. And so when you're tracking these three throughout your cycle, you can actually – figure out when you're fertile or not in that fertile window specifically. So I really, really recommend going and like listening to, it's like an over an hour long podcast episode of me getting into it. Um, and then there are a couple of other people who I can recommend, not off the top of my head, but like what, uh, one of my friends on Instagram, her Instagram account is wise womb mama. Um, and she is an actual FAM fam educator. So I don't know if she's currently taking on clients right now. Cause she did just have a, a baby one that she wanted and planned for, uh, I must mention, <laughs> but she just had a baby. So I'm not sure if she's like working right now. Um, I think she may be resting, but I'm sure she knows a plethora of people who do educate on this. And I do, I mean, I, I will teach women that for sure. If they want to work with me, I would say most of the people I work with are coming to me because they're experiencing PMS or something like that. Um, not so many people just wanting to learn how to track their cycle, but I do love those people. So if you want to work with me as well, that would be awesome. But yeah, it's really just mm -hmm. tracking those three major fertile signs and also tracking your mood, having a general sense of what phase of your cycle you're in, all of these things in conjunction with condoms while you are around that ovulation window is what we call natural family planning. Also, um, just the fertility awareness method. And it is possible. I mean, I've met more women than not who are like, I've used this for, you know, five plus years of my life and I've either never gotten pregnant or I only got pregnant when I was intending to get pregnant. So it's really mm -hmm. powerful for those who want to get pregnant and those who don't want to get pregnant. Yeah, definitely. Because I think the more that you learn about all of this, learn about your body, are able to track those signs of fertility, the more confidence and trust you almost build in yourself that you understand these things and you know that like you're not just going to get pregnant on a random Tuesday. Like <laughs> there are things that have to be put in place, like you said. And so it can be really scary to start to dive into this. But the more you learn about it, the more confident you feel that, all right, this is something that, that I can do. Absolutely. Um, all right. There was one more question, and that is how to support your body to get your period back. So if someone is not menstruating, what can they do to sort of help get that back? Yeah. Um, so if, they, if they're not getting their period, and let's say um, you know it's post-birth control, that's really like supporting your liver, supporting your gut, getting the ovaries back online and that communication with like between your ovaries and your brain. Um, and Sorry, Colby is scratching the door. It's distracting me. Stop <laughs> it. Mom's working. <laughs> um, so that is – that's a whole different protocol versus someone with like amenorrhea from, you know, mm -hmm. perhaps over-exercise or under-eating. Um, and so, you know, or just way too stressed out. Maybe they're just like not sleeping enough and they're not doing like those foundationals, like I mentioned with like the water and, you know, their toxic burdens too high. So it's obviously person dependent, but just always making sure that you are, um, you know, nurturing your liver and your gut 
in your ovaries, um, your mitochondria health as well. Uh, we have so many mitochondria. The mitochondria are like the powerhouse of our cells. And on average, we have over 100,000 per cell in our ovaries. So an immense amount. So, you know, cellular healing and rejuvenation is truly the root of all things. Um, no matter where you're at in life, I always work on cellular rejuvenation. There's a lot of things you can do for that. Sleep, um, red infrared light, um, you know, making sure that we have the right minerals as well for our mitochondria. There's so many things, right? But really, it's, you know, working with someone one on one, at least for the first couple of months, and making sure that everything, your adrenals and your organs are back online and working. Um, and they're powered by cells. So it's really like the cellular health that we target first. And then again, like most people aren't doing the basics, like they're not eating enough. So their blood shape, mm-hmm. their blood sugar is all out of whack. Um, they're just, they just don't have enough nutrients to have a cycle over exercising or other forms of stress on the body um, or their liver and gut need support after the pill or I mean most of us have been on like antibiotics or some sort of like Advil or something like that throughout our life that each time we've taken um, has impacted our detoxification pathways it's impacted our liver um, and our gut lining so it's just safe to say a lot of us could use some support in that department yeah definitely well, that wraps up all the questions that everyone had. I just wanted to thank you so much for not only coming on the podcast, but for everything that you do. You said at the beginning, if you could even, you know, help one person or empower one person, then then it's it's worth it to you. And you have certainly helped me so much. And I hope everybody listening has learned something about their bodies. And go follow Maddie on Instagram. I'll turn it over to you. Plug plug your Instagram. Plug your podcast. Yes. Anything else you want to plug? Well, thank you so much for having me, Abby. It's honor- It's honestly an honor to always talk about this, whether it's on an Instagram Live, on a podcast, a webinar. I love talking about this. So thank you for providing that space for me. Um, everyone go give me a follow on social media, on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok. On Instagram, though, if you click that link in my bio, it'll take you to a drop-down menu of like anything that you need. So my podcast, um, my website, my eBooks, my app, all of the things are right there. Instagram is really just like the central hub for it. All of those links. So go give me a follow. If you listen to this podcast, share it and tag us because I love like connecting with people, even when it's virtual of like, who's actually listening. So, um, let us Mm -hmm. know if you listen and, um, yeah, thank you so much again, Abby. And thanks everyone for listening. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you guys all for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, you know where to find me. You can follow me on Instagram. My personal Instagram is at Abby underscore Wellner, or you can find the Good Human Instagram at Good Human Pod. So you stay up to date on all things Good Human. As always, thank you so, so much for listening. And until next time, see ya.